All right, Jonah chapter number four. And last week we were preaching on Jonah chapter three about the second call, the second call of Jonah, the second call being a call of grace, a call of mercy, a call of God's faithfulness. And we also dealt with the nature of true repentance, what it truly means to repent. And we saw that with the city of Nineveh, that when the word that Jonah had spoken had reached him, that even the king got off of his throne and put on sackcloth and ashes and called the entire city to repent. I thought it was so powerful how we leaned into um, even the dim- the physical demonstrations of repentance. The things that we do physically and naturally, they don't necess- they don't cause our heart to change, but sometimes the outward signs are there as fruit of repentance. And so I thought that was really powerful. And so let's dive in today in Jonah chapter number four, and we're going to read all of chapter four, which is just these 11 verses here. Amen. Uh, so Jonah chapter number four, verses one through 11. Uh, this is following after God changed his mind about destroying the city of Nineveh. And it picks up in verse one. It says this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left? That sounds like Jesus. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? Jonah, ghetto. That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Then the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as soon as the sun and as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all of the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Amen. And today I want to preach about the prejudice prophet. The prejudice prophet as we close out the book of Jonah. And so here we have, as we talked about, God gets to the end of chapter three after Nineveh is, has repented and he changes his mind about destroying the city. And the Bible says in verse one that this greatly upset Jonah. He was hot behind that thing. That's what my dad used to say. He was hot behind that thing. <laughs> so this man goes and pronounces the word of God, does what God calls him to do. The people would repent and you would think that Jonah would be excited. You would think that he would be glad that these people have turned to God. But instead, he is angry at the outcome of what God has called him to do. He finds himself angry at the outcome of what God had called him to do. And I want to ask you this question. Y'all look so nice. Man, I tell you, you guys are just something beautiful. Jesus, I need one of those. Thank you. (laughs) 
this is the thing, the question I want to ask you in thinking about this, how Jonah's angry, is that has God ever called you to something and it didn't turn out how you expected? Or rather, it didn't turn out how you desired it to turn out. Oh, my God, we got to lean in now because, see, before we, while we wrap up Jonah, we're talking about the call of God and, and submitting to that call. But, but, but I got to make sure that before we end this out, that we can't end this out with the thought that answering God's call is going to be a fairy tale. And it would be unwise for me as a pastor. Answering God's call is going to be all sunshine and roses every day. I, I, I don't know what we've heard growing up and, you know, and following Jesus. is just, just give your life to Jesus. Everything's going to be all right. That's not that. Bible don't say that. And so it'd be, uh, it'd be, it'd be um, unwise for me to give you the impression that when you submit your life to God's call, that everything's always going to be great because it's not. It's really not. That's the reality of, of submitting your life, though. But Jonah finds himself here answering God's call. And it doesn't turn out how he expects. He's like, wait a minute. I'm thinking, hey, listen, hey, at least you might. You know, I think, see, see the thing is, he says, he says, God, I knew you were a compassionate God. But I think Jonah was secretly hoping that God, you look, strike him down, hey. He was secretly hoping that this thing would, you know, I'm going to announce his word, but, you know, I know who you are, but I'm just secretly hoping that you would strike them down. And it doesn't turn out quite that way. Many of the gospels, many of the scriptures, we see this in the New Testament of Paul being beaten for preaching God's word, being jailed, Jesus being himself being crucified. Many of the disciples, many of the apostles being martyrs, killed for preaching the gospel, killed for giving their life for the gospel. And the thing is that we have to remember that when we give our lives to Christ, that we don't paint this picture that everything's going to be roses all the time because it won't. And it won't always turn out how you think it should turn out. Now, it's going to turn out how God wants it to turn out because we are called for his purposes. And that's what we have to grapple with to know that I am not called for my own agenda. He doesn't call us so he can he can accomplish Corey's plan. He says, Corey, I've called you into my divine agenda and my divine purposes. And when you begin to wrestle with the call of God on your life, where you feel like God is calling you and leaning into you to do what he's calling you to do, make sure you grapple with the fact that God, this is about your agenda. This is about your way. This is about your purpose, not about my own. I'm not saying that this is going to be just terrible every day and it's hell fine, bro. I'm not talking about that. What I am saying is there will be times where God says, do this, and you do this, and it doesn't quite, you're like, well, God, I thought, I thought when I gave that, I was going to have money in my bank account the next day. And he's like, yeah, you have money in your bank account. That's a seed. That's six months from now. God, I needed this, so I did this. I thought if I started tithing, all of a sudden, every, I would get the, the you know, dream job immediately. Yeah, you're going to get the job 10 years from now. You, you might, you'll get it. It, it, might, it. it might come in a different, see what I'm saying? Like there's these times where God calls us and it's like we look for this immediate satisfaction or this immediate return on what he's called us to do when we obey. Immediate return on our obedience. And he reminds us, Jonah here in this moment of him being angry reminds us that we're called for the purposes of God, not our own. And this is the thing about the call of God is that Jonah displays this moment of, of somewhat of a Pride and arrogance, right? But the call of God should not make us prideful. It shouldn't make us, it should really make us more humble. 
because it, it should make it. And, and I like the when you read old, you know, New Testament, uh, King James. It, it uses these words like "be sober." We don't we don't talk like that no more. We don't say those words, but it uses these words like "be sober." That means be level-headed going into this thing. Be clear-minded. Don't go in with these rose-colored glasses. It should the call of God should humble us and sober us out. Not that we're not excited about it, but it should settle us to wait. Wait a minute. Know what you're getting into. And I, I example this uh, a few weeks, well, a few months ago, before we started having our Sunday gatherings here. Maybe like through the month of July, just all through the summer. And we started in September. I was so excited. I was like, oh man, we're getting ready. I was doing all this stuff. I was like, I got to get this together. I got to get this together. All this stuff. And you know, I was all half the I was working. I was all this stuff, right? Working all these hours up late at night, doing this and typing this and doing all this, right? And I'm like, oh, all right, we're about to start Sunday service, right? And feeling like, hey, God has called us since we're ready. And about two weeks before our first service, an incredible level of quiet came over me. Then it was almost hard to explain. I was like, I was like, Archer, I'm really like, man, I've gotten real like calm about this. And I talked to my pastor about Apostle Cedric. Hopefully you guys will meet him. He's still battling some health issues. So he, he hasn't been able to travel as much. Um, but I was talking to him about it. And I was like, man, these last like, I've started to feel really like just calm about this. And I, it was really, it was literally like, I can't explain this. And I said, it almost seems like what, what began to happen. And I was telling him about, I said, what began to happen? I began to look at what God has called us to do. And I began to almost feel the gravity of it in a good way to say, oh, wait, this is not just a fly by night. Oh, you're just starting a church just to do something. No, this is, this is a divine calling. And when I began to look at, I said, Corey, this is not just a one month thing. You're not going to preach two messages and then you're done. No, this is the next 10 years. This is the next 15 years. This is the next 20 years that you're, you're giving your life to as long as God calls you to, to the rock church, right? And what began to happen, I began to say, oh, my God. And what I began to look at was the marathon. That this is not just a sprint. And I tell people when they sometimes people tell me, hey, Pastor, I can't make church. I'll be there next week. I'm like, don't worry about it. I'll be there. I ain't going nowhere. And what began to happen, it began to make me so sober to say, wait a minute. I'm not just signing up to do something for two weeks. And, or, you know, some churches, they start in a year. They close. I'm like, no, for the next 10 years, I'm going to be right here. And what it began to make me was sober to say, oh, there's some weight that comes in this. This is a commitment, right? And that's what I believe should happen when you begin to wrestle with the call. And, and what Apostle said, he said to me, he said was, he said, he said, the reason you feel that, he said, now you understand the weight of this. You understand the assignment that you have to not just be some fly by night and preach hard for two weeks and, and then in six months, we can't find you. No, you, you are called... To, to, to weather the storm, to be there preaching week in and week out and week in and week out, no matter what, give your life to this. And, and this is what I want to lean on you. I, I just have to say, because I want to lean on you that when you begin to wrestle with the call, get sober about that thing. To know that it's not just for a moment. It's not just, you know, you know uh, overnight. No, no, no. He's called you to a life of walking with him. Think about that. He's called you to a life. Long. If you're 50, he's called you to 70 more years. I put y'all on 120. Anyway, if you're 30, you got 80 more, whatever your age is, the rest of your life. He said, I'm not just calling you for a moment. I'm calling you for a life with me, walking with me. And that is not something you just, oh, okay, I'll just, no, it's like, whew. Now let me start walking because this is a journey with God that he's called us into. And so the call of God should make us sober to say, whew, I understand the weight of this. Knowing that he's called us for his purposes.
And this is the next thing that Jonah showed us is that he, he, he wasn't quite catching that. But when we go down to verse number two, he says this, and I'll, I'll just paraphrase for a moment. He says, God, I know that you were merciful. You're compassionate. You are eager to turn back, right? And then in verse three, he says, just kill me now because I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. He had predicted that the city would be destroyed, basically. He says, I'd rather be dead than alive. Now, that's the thing. Jonah said, I knew you was merciful. I knew you were compassionate. But what he did not think was that the mercy of God extended to those people. God, this is this is America. In 20. He didn't think the, the compassion of God extended to those pick whatever people we like to be divided over, whatever color of people, whatever political party of people. And I've said this before to begin this, whatever stat we like to think, oh, God, you're so merciful. But, 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 but you 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 love those people, those people who said that thing about my people thing about my gender, those people who said, who, who believe that about this religion. And see, we got to, man, God, I got to, oh, Lord Jesus, we, and this is so for us here in the United States of America, it's so important because we get so divided and think God's mercy doesn't reach those people. We think that it stops at that, this part of the aisle. We think code. We think it stops at this, 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 this status, right? Oh, the rich, they just got money, so they don't need, no. He says, I'm for every single person. It does not matter what your background, past, mistakes, orientation. God has to remind us. And what he reminds us, and I've said this a few times in the book of Jonah, is his compassion for all people. And he uses Jonah because Jonah is quite upset that God is saving and restoring and and forgiving those people. And what we in the United States of America have to understand that God's mercy is for all people, every person. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says that, 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9, it says that he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Jonah is paraphrasing here at Psalm 145 and 8, where it says the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with love. I was reading a devotional the other day about God being compassionate. And I would paraphrase it for you. It basically says the Hebrew word there, compassionate, it's almost like the attachment that a mother has to a child. It says that he is so attached. I got kids and I've seen my wife uh, be a mother to our, be a wonderful mother, let me refer to be a phenomenal mother to our children, right? That, that level of attachment, if you have children, if you have, you see whatever you see, that level of attachment, a mother to a child, come on now. If I do something to our children, my wife would jump clean across this stuff and pick up the keyboard and hit you upside your head if you try to do something <laughs> with our children, right? And if you're a mother, you, you, your mama would do the same for you, right? I hope, I hope so, right? That level of commitment, that level of attachment, that I'm not, y'all see, I'm trying to hold it, baby. That level of, that level of love, that level of I'm not going to leave you. And we, me and my wife joke about all the time. We was like, bro, if your mama don't support you, whew, if don't nobody else supposed to support, mama's supposed to, come on now. If your mama don't share your business, if don't nobody else buy your product, mama's supposed to be, give me three of those, give me three. You ain't sold nothing, give me three of them. If mama ain't sharing your video, come on now, I get 10 views on, on YouTube, eight of them from mama. Come on, mama, mama. And look, I was watching it. I sent it to my two friends and I sent it to them. And, and listen, it's okay, baby. You keep preaching that word. That's how Y'all got, anybody got some mamas like that? Come on, mama's supposed to hold you down. I don't know how I got way over there. What I'm saying is that that level of compassion that he has for all, for all people, not just saved people. God says, I'm attached to all people. My love is, it's, 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 it's motherly for all people. And I'm not going to leave you. That's the type of compassion he has. But this is the thing. 
I don't got what you talking about. This ain't Mother's Day. Uh, this is the thing, tying it back in with Jonah, is that Jonah was preoccupied with his prejudice. He was too preoccupied with his prejudice to see the mercy of God at work. He was too preoccupied with his prejudice. He should have been praising God. He should have been, oh God, you are so merciful. God, thank you, man. You, man, you to save these folks. Thank God. The word has reached the people. But he is preoccupied with his prejudice. Instead of praising God for being so loving, he's angry. Instead of worshiping the God who forgives and restores all men, he's angry. Instead of lifting up God for being a merciful God, he is consumed with his hatred. Now, that's what I thought about. I said, what a dangerous combination if I had to have a prejudiced prophet. My God, what a dangerous combination to have a man of God consumed with his prejudice. Good God Almighty. That's, look, for, this is for all, the, for all the aspiring preachers in here, for, for all the aspiring ministers. And, and all. What a dangerous man. This man is supposed to be the prophet, but he's consumed with his prejudice. My God, now I say that as a pastor. What that look like? I'm up here preaching, but I, but I don't like them type of. What type of word you giving? That word is tainted. That word is corrupted if I can't preach to those people because of my own prejudice. That's a corrupted word, and that's a corrupted man. Unwilling to speak to, to, to those folks. My heart being littered with a bunch of junk because I'm, I'm looking down my nose. at them. What, what, type of, what type of prophet is that? And this is the thing. And this is the thing. See, now, see, I know I got some preachers in here, so I, got to talk. I like to talk to the preachers. I like to talk to the leaders. You know what I'm saying? I like to talk to the ministers. This is the thing that we have to understand that when we submit our lives to the call of God, is that do, do you think that he's only going to call you to minister to those that you like? What? You thought it was you thought you were only gonna have to pray for the people that you that you like? You thought you were only have to preach to the people that 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 you that you like and that oh I like them. So I no 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 no. He said, when I call you, you minister to who I send you to. I didn't say you had to like them. I said love them, serve them, preach to them, and minister to them. pour your life out. I didn't ask you if you like them. He said, when you when you when you when you come to my call, you got to lay aside your prejudice. He says, you minister to who, now if you're going to submit your life to it, he said, you minister to who I send you to. No matter, and Jonah so I, I don't care if you don't like them, I don't care if you like that they don't like that they're dark, I don't care if you don't like that they're blonde haired or what, whatever. He said, just go to who I send you. And you do away with your prejudice. Because that prejudice in the hands of a prophet, that's a dangerous thing. Because now those words are slanted a little weird. Now, now those prophecies got a little, mm, that sound a little, a little that sound a little hateful, brother. Like, why they got to be, you know, that sound a little, that sound a little, a little unsteady. And when you are standing as a, as a minister, when you are standing as a preacher, not even just a preacher, but a minister, a servant, whatever the case may be, you have to be willing to do away and not just do away, but give your prejudice to God and say, Lord, help me. Lord, I repent of, of thinking this way about those people fill in the blank whatever those people are that you can't seem to understand why they think that way and I understand I'm in this with you I understand Lord they said what but God said if I send you to go pray for them, what you gonna do I'm going to pray Lord and I'm going to pray with the rights and I'm going I'm gonna repent and I'm going to pray I'm gonna make sure that my heart is clean and I'm gonna you see what I'm saying when God sends us we have to be willing to lay aside our prejudice lay aside our predetermined ideas about those people and one of the things I found is that we have these opinions about people that we've never even talked to them. We have these opinions about people that we've never even met them. 
If, Lord, I ain't gonna, I'm not, I was about to use an example, but never mind, I'm not going to say that. Um, anyway, Jesus, Lord, where am I at? <laughs> we have these predetermined ideas about a lot of people that we've never even talked to. I want to ask you, have you ever talked to that group of people that you think so harshly about? Have you ever met? Now, you may have very well. Have you ever met? Have you ever had a, a real conversation? Not an argument on Facebook comments, but have you had a real conversation with those people to find out, man, Maybe you have more in common than you think. Maybe y'all got some things in common. Maybe y'all both like basketball. Maybe y'all both like golf. Maybe y'all both like doing makeup. Maybe, maybe y'all both have the same background, just in different parts of the country. Maybe your childhoods were actually very similar, and maybe it just sprouted into two different, two different ways of thinking. All of these different things that we have to wrestle with, but we have to be willing to lay aside our prejudice because when God calls us, we go where he sends, no matter our prejudice. And this is, a, and this is the next thing here is that in verses six to 10, I'm not going to read for the sake of time is that God lays out this, this example for Jonah and he raised, he, he raises up this plant and Jonah gets some shade and then God sends a worm the next day and kill the plant. I'm like, dang God, you, you really trying to teach this man something kills the plant and Jonah's out there about to die. Right. And then in verse number 10, when the plant is gone, Jonah is, 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 is sitting there under the sun. Verse 10, it says that, but then the Lord said to Jonah after the plant had died, he said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. And what God is trying to show Jonah in this passage is this word that we keep coming up over these last few weeks is that God's sovereignty. He's trying to show Jonah that God is like, I am ruler over what rises and what falls. I am sovereign over what I bring up and allow to hit the spotlight. And what I bring down, you ever notice this, you know, especially um, you ever notice every couple of years, it seems like, especially in, I notice this in the Christian world too, in church world, it seems like there's a new, like who's who of, you know, preachers and pastors or people. It's like every couple of years, there's a different person. Not that it's bad, but just every couple of years is, is, oh man, who is, I think of like more recently, I think of like Mike Todd. No one knew who he was before 2018. That one video about relationships, I remember it. No one knew who he was outside of Tulsa. And that happened. And now he's phenomenal. I love, I love their church. Love him as a pastor. But notice that. And then, and then after a couple of years, it'd be like, oh, what happened? To, man, I ain't seen such a, and there's another person that, because God, God shows that, hey, I'm able to bring up who I want to spotlight. And then at the same time, not that I bring them down, but at the same time, I may not, I may take them out of that particular spotlight for a moment. And what he's showing us is his level of sovereignty. He says this in Daniel chapter two. He says this about kings. He says that God removes kings and he sets up other kings. He's saying that I am sovereign over who rises and who falls. And he uses this example with the plant to Jonah to not only show with the plant, but he shows this with the city of Nineveh. He says that and he asks Jonah, he says, you at Atlanta, he says, you're angry about this plant, but you're angry about the city. You're angry about all these things, but you didn't cause it to grow and you didn't cause it to die. He's saying that that thing, that plant, that city is in my hands. I've called you to go and pronounce my word. Now we have to remember this. We have to remember this as a body, as people, as believers, as you are ministering, as you are proclaiming the word, as God is moving, that we cannot save anybody. We cannot make anyone come to Christ. I cannot, with all my hollering and preaching and sweating, all this stuff, whatever the case may be, I cannot make anybody give their life to Jesus. But he's called me, Corey, you teach my word. You preach my word. You submit your life. And what you have to do is remember that same thing is that there is a level of we, that we have to release that some of that control 
because we like to be in, I like to be in control. I can't speak for y'all. Uh, we likes to be in control. I like to know what's going on, when it's going on, where it's going to be, how we going to send me the address so I can don't get lost messing with you. I want to be in control of everything. Some of y'all want to be in control too, but we have to be willing to release some of that control to know, like we said, when we come and we wrestle with and we, we come to grips with the call of God, one, knowing that it's not always going to work out how I want, but and then two, it's not going to always work out in the timing that I want. It's not going to always work out in the way that I want. We have to relinquish this control to know that God is sovereign over what rises and what falls. And I'm going to give you this last thing because I'm coming down to my time and I'm going to wrap this up. This is the last question that I want us to wrestle with concerning the book of Jonah is this. Is that are we concerned about the things that concern God? Are we concerned about the things that concern God? Have we gotten consumed with our agenda, our way, what we think, how we think it should go? God, you need to do this and this and this. And I did what you said. and it did it. But are we concerned with things that concern him? And this is what he says. He says in verse 11, that very end, he says, you're concerned about the plant. He said, but the city, but Nineveh, the city of Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. He says, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? God is like, I am concerned about all the people that are without me, that are not connected to me. But you are concerned with your prejudice. You are concerned with your agenda. And he's basically drawing us in to say, Jonah, get concerned about what concerns me. And what we have to do is when we answer the call of God to now pray, God, give me your heart for this. God, give me your perspective in this. I believe if Jonah had to say, okay, God, I'm jacked up right now. I'm kind of messed up with these people. But God... What are you seeing here? What are you seeing in these people? What are you doing over here? And when we begin to answer the call of God, we have to now answer the call and get his heart. That's so that's so important that we get his heart so that we are not disappointed when God begins to move in a way that we did not expect. When God begins to show up with the people that we did not expect, when God begins to answer in a way that we say, oh, we did, I didn't expect it to come from the left. It came from the right. We have to get the heart of God. Get concerned with the things and the agendas that concern God. Get concerned with the people that concern God. Get concerned with the agendas that concern God. We have to do that. And what we have to do is, especially, and I have to, I wrestle with this as a pastor too, is that, okay, Corey, don't get caught up in, in church antics. Don't get caught up in, 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 I say this, I'm not, I'm just I'm saying this. Don't get caught up in, you know, church growth strategies. That's good. I'm, I'm, I'm believing for growth. I'm, I, I am. But don't allow that to consume you. Get concerned with preaching my word. Get concerned that the presence of God is, is in your is, is, is in these meetings. Get concerned that the Holy Spirit has free reign to move. Get concerned that Holy Spirit is able to move and touch the hearts of people and allow me to take care of those other things. And so I want to encourage you today as we've talked about over these last few weeks. And I think this is a good this is a good place to close this. Is that as you wrestle with the call of God, as many of you have been wrestling with the call of God on your lives, that you make sure that you get his heart. That you make sure that you submit and say, Lord, do a transformation in my heart so I can see what you are seeing. And pray, Holy Spirit, show me what you are seeing in this coworker that I'm not quite catching because I'm out the custom in the emails at work. Show me what you I know y'all don't curse, so uh, uh, ain't nobody said nothing. So, okay, God, show me. <laughs> 
God, show me what you are seeing in this family member that I can't, I keep kind of clashing with, but you kind of keep telling me to talk and pray for him. Show me what you are showing me in this particular neighborhood. Show me what you are seeing in this particular community. Show me what you are seeing so that I can have your heart. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray.